Welcome to Real Assets, Real Expertise, a podcast brought to you by Crestbridge. It's the place where we explore the world of real estate. Introducing your host, Stephanie Workman. You're listening to Real Assets, Real Expertise. Today I'm joined by Bridget Wilkins from Built ID. I was introduced to Bridget earlier this year following her appearance on the webinar panel for BizNow about how technology will create the real estate winners of the future. Bridget is a surveyor by background and has been with technology business Built ID for a number of years, so I thought she'd be an excellent guest to talk about how real estate technology can drive and create social value. I hope that you enjoy the episode. So, um... Bridget, thank you so much for joining us this morning and your evening. It would be great to just have a very brief intro to yourself, um, your background and to Built ID. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Great to join you today. Um, I have quite an interesting background in, in real estate and experience both professionally and personally. Um, I actually grew up in real estate since dot my parents have been in it for 40 plus years so as you can imagine I grew up vowing never to work in it uh, no matter what uh, and yet here we are many years later um, working professionally for the last 12 years in a variety of roles uh, across valuation and advisory capital transactions development advisory and management and most recently in moving into the prop tech world working in community engagement and strategic advisory around how to best engage with our communities using a really innovative uh, platform called Give My View, which is uh, run through Built ID, which is the company I work for. And it's really exciting because we're now more than 12 months out in the market and we've got some very uh, market-leading developers and, and public bodies working with us across London and the UK. And it's really exciting to see how we can, we can push the platform forward uh, to empower and educate communities along the way. It would be good to hear a little bit about um, Give My View and, and what it does and, and how it um, how it works for, uh, you know, your developments and, and your investors and, you know, society. So fundamentally, Give My View is a white label consultation platform that's run by either a public or private developer, uh, initially in the real estate sector, but we're, we're working now in infrastructure and other emerging uh, areas as well. And what we do is run a digital consultation in most situations alongside those more traditional approaches, which would be a letterbox drop um, and attending a local council or community event. The challenge in our society today and the problem that we're solving with our platform is connecting to those groups and those people in the community who would not normally participate in those traditional methods. And if we can combine that with those traditional methods, then we have a, a approach which we can capture a much broader and more diverse set of the community, which can only add value in terms of informing what is the sentiment in the market, what are the aspirations of the community, how can we use the, the intrinsic value of people around us to actually inform and co-design and co-create place, and, and ultimately de-risk some elements of, of development along the way. So. The Give My View platform was launched in March last year in, in West London, um, in, in the West End, and we've seen a fantastic amount of growth across the market, working with the likes of Barclay Homes, Grosvenor, Transport for London, 
and, and many more market-leading developers who are really committed to driving social values through using quite an effective and efficient piece of technology. And I think it's important to recognise that our platform will not be the silver bullet for all developers. Uh, and in fact, it should not even replace those traditional methods. Where it works really well, where it adds real value is working alongside the face-to-face -face consultations to engage a broader audience, bringing that back and and looking at what data and we can make because of what we've generated along the consultation um, in, the, in that process. It sounds like, you know, something that would need to be uh, monitored and regularly updated. It sounds like quite a live kind of app. I know that uh, Built ID work on a number of different technologies and applications and you know you've been there for a, for a while now and, and given your you know background in property how have you seen real estate tech evolve since the beginning of your career um, have you observed any trends it's a great question and I'm sure other people you ask you know are going to have some really interesting answers as well I think the, the fundamental change is that we've we've moved to a market and an environment where information is available at the touch of a button. And, and looking back at how we made investment and real estate decisions 10 plus years ago, it was based on a lot of historical evidence because that's all we had available. I mean, speaking from personal experience, my first, my first job was as a valuer. So I'd go to an auction in person and then I'd drive back to the office and then I'd input the data into our, our, our you know, record sales spreadsheet analyze the sale and, and the sale price. I'd call the council to get the development information and then I'd write an analysis to, to use as evidence in, in evaluation. I don't think that's done that way anymore in, in Australia or London or many other markets. I mean, there's elements that are, but you look at just that process itself. You know, we have virtual inspections, we have data collection, we have huge, huge machines that are, that are collating everything and, and sort of spinning out outputs for us to then analyze at a much more strategic level. So I think you know, technology has impacted so many different elements of different parts of, of the real estate sector. What, um, what excites me is what that, that means for the wider piece around who we're working with, who we're working for, and, and particularly in relation to the talent that we see in real estate. So you know, there, I think there's now an expectation that most companies, most real estate companies to be competitive in, in, in the workforce need to have a very strong uh, technology strategy, almost a digital first approach in how they use technology themselves, how they're using it with their clients and how they're using it with their staff and employees. And if they're not doing that, I think they, they will be losing talent. So it's about how we, we bring those two uh, facets together, uh, given we're now in an environment where you know, we are a much more engaged and informed workforce and, all, and also sector as well. With that in mind, when developing new real estate technology, what would you say needs to be prioritised? I think there's a few key elements when developing new products in the real estate market. And I think they're actually applicable to most sectors, but we, we can apply it to, the, to this sector first. The first is to ensure that we've really identified the problem that we're trying to solve. And the idea for a product that we have is actually going to solve it. And the way we can do that is by speaking to the market and engaging with our own community. So as an example, with Give My View, Savannah and the team spent 18 months before launch 
researching and investigating and consulting to make sure that when that product was launched, it was fit for purpose and market ready. And I think that's a key thing where a lot of people come into real estate from outside, from outside the world and think, well, I've got a tech background, I've got a software engineering background, which is great, we need more diversity. But unless they really understand the key problem for a lot of the developers and fund managers, it's often hard to find the, the real-time value-add solution that, that technology can provide. The next thing is to really understand where the true value lies in yeah. using this piece of technology. And I think, you know, we discussed this last time with folks, Seth, around we're moving away, I hope, from an explicit idea that a piece of technology then requires an explicit return on investment. I think we're now recognising that there are a lot of wider benefits in using technology, uh, but it still needs to pay for itself, like everything else in the business. And where where that needs to happen is where developers and entrepreneurs and startups and even real estate firms looking to invest in, in building out their own technology understand, you know, where is the financial gain in using it? You know, for us, it's around how we can help de-risk some of those assumptions inherent in the development cycle and ultimately take a portion of the speculative nature of real estate out of real estate development. And depending on some projects and locations and sectors, that could be between 2%, 5%, 20%. It's all relative, but that's where it gets really exciting to understand where the value is and, and to articulate it with the business problem we're trying to solve. I think the last thing that we really need to be aware of in a real estate context is, and you mentioned this before, the ESG principles that we now all need to adhere to and, and rise up with, not try and fight the tide that is coming toward us, but actually you know, ride the wave and we can use that analogy because it's only going to come more ever-present, particularly looking at the environmental impacts of climate change, but also the S and the G elements as well. And with that, we can have a mindset of building a piece of technology inside or outside the business that'll gives us a social license to operate with our communities and with our clients in a way that actually adds value in a number of ways, you know, in the financial and risk sector, but also in the social mm. value mm. as well. And just mentioning the social value, can you give us any live examples of how real estate tech can um, engage communities and add social value? Sure oh, I can give many. I feel like we need a bottle of wine rather than a podcast to answer that question. You know, I think there's so there's so much debate around what is social value, how do we define it, how do we measure it, and that's that's really exciting because that only pushes our industry further into that discourse. For us at Bill's ID, it's around recognizing what are the traditional uh, aspects of community consultation and how can we uh, enhance that for those who would not normally participate. So, if I can give an example, traditionally, uh, if we're looking at normal numbers of people who attend consultation events. This is even before COVID, so I'm sure it, it's a lot less now. Um, if we were to run our platform alongside those traditional in-person events, we're achieving on average around 1,900% higher level of engagement in the community because we're using digital channels. And you know, when I joined the company, I thought that was a made up number because it's just so high. It's so high, but trust me, it's not. We check it every day. It's because people yeah. use technology. And we have never really used technology in the community engagement space. And yet that's where all the people are. So if we combine the people and the technology, then ultimately we will get a higher level of engagement. And alongside the face-to-face, -face, we get some really interesting analysis. 
so you know that's the first thing around engaging a much higher and more diverse sector of, of people in the community then it's around how we're actually engaging them and for us it's around making sure that our platform is not there to tick a box on a planning application uh, you know or an impact assessment application it's around ensuring that we're allowing people to co-design and, and co-create the places that they want to work with and, and play in and ultimately drive that level of social value into the community the third element of how we're driving social value it's quite a tangible uh, example is every time someone goes to our uh, web app which it comes up as an ad on social media and votes as a member of the community they're given gold coins which gamify the experience for them so it's like an online game and it's been designed to be done in less than 90 seconds when they get to the end of answering questions in the polling journey they can then allocate those coins to a hyper local charity and there'll be three there and they can then put those coins to one of those and for us it's a really exciting way to to give back to the community that we're working with mm. on the spot and instantaneously and drive that instant gratification around delivering social value because for some of these projects we're working on you know they're 10 15 20 years in delivery and some people who we're consulting with now may not be living mm. there in, at the end once it gets to completion. So for us, that, that mechanism is a really effective way to, to drive engagement to a higher audience, to incentivize people now to participate and to actually give back to the communities that we're working with um, on the spot. That's fantastic. Um, so how can Built ID help developers and investors engage with their community um, from the outset of their project? So what you were saying earlier, it sounds like you kind of front load um, the interaction with your uh, community and you're kind of saving time further down the line. But it would be interesting to hear, um, you know, the impact to society, to the developer and to the investor. Mm. Okay, big question. I'll, I'll try and summarise it for you. I mean, in terms, <laughs> so of, how, in terms, of, in terms of how the idea can help I mean, ultimately, it depends on who the developer is and what the project is. But at a very, a very high level, I think it comes back to working with developers and clients who have stopped thinking about the community as a vocal minority, as a as a nosy neighbour next door who are going to object to your development, and actually recognise that the community are a, a, a group of people who could be quite diverse, who are very informed, who are very educated, and actually could be very valuable to delivering and designing that project and the reason I say that is to answer your question I think in a traditional sense because of how the the markets work today and we're hoping we're working to change this through our platform we've only really engaged with the community in the planning process and if we take a step back that's that's one of six stages ultimately in a, in a development project it's one of six so where we're really excited to push our platform is bringing that community along the journey for all those stages and using it to inform the design, the delivery, the viability, to do market testing, needs analysis, and ultimately the end goal, which obviously is, is occupation. And I think with that comes recognition that the community could also be part of that end strategy from day zero. And by using technology, we can connect with that market at the very early onset and take an element of the assumptions and inherent risk out of development because you know we're bringing the market and bringing the people to the property rather than taking the property to the people. Yeah, 
What are your thoughts or predictions for the future on how real estate technology will impact communities? I think it goes back to my earlier point around using technology to really engage the market between the developers, their delivery partners and the communities. We can all agree there is a perception, unfortunately, uh, in the community that developers are a big, bad, scary uh, for life. And in fact, and because of that, then we have a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and we have a lot of distrust. And then when projects come forward, we have opposition. And actually, in reality, there are some brilliant, passionate, uh, very socially aware people in development. Some of the most socially aware people I know work in, in the sector. And so it's around how to try and break those perceptions down by bringing them together and, and giving, giving developers and delivery partners more of a profile, more of a human approach to working in communities. Uh, so people realise that we are ultimately all the same. We have a common ground. We have a common aspiration to, to make our societies and our cities and our towns more sustainable and more safe and inclusive. And, and we can do that by working together rather than by working apart. So I think using technology to, to bring those groups together is very important. And I think that hopefully will continue with our platforms and others. And also then from that, be able to drive insight into who we're actually engaging with, what are the demographics, and how does that inform a wider delivery or design strategy as well. So if I can give you some examples, you know, we can ask questions like, would you prefer playground space or affordable workspace or F&B retail space? You know, being able, being able to ask that question to people who are going to use the space, you're taking out an element of risk from day zero. And, and helping inform the design and, and the scope, which I think can only be a benefit to some of the, the development and delivery partners in the market, given how much uncertainty is, is happening around us. I did actually have an additional question that my boss, who is a charter surveyor, gave me. So we were speaking earlier about how real estate and property is an imperfect market, just given the lag in market information how can real estate technology help to combat that? Oh, good question. <laughs> and it's, and, it's, and it's, so, it's, so, it's so relevant. You know, I think, okay, how can real estate be used to combat the imperfect market that is real estate? Hmm. <laughs> it comes back to what we were discussing before around using technology to inform decision making in whatever context that might be and the benefit we have now in 2020 and beyond is we have access to so much more information at the touch of a button than we did two years ago five years ago ten years ago and and that's in every context from when someone applies for, for a job we can see their entire history and networking connections to when we're analyzing uh, valuation data we can look at you know leasing deals and occupy profiles literally Single button to even analyzing our own social media marketing strategies and then looking at the data. So, in every aspect, we now have a lot more information that we have access to. And I think it's around understanding for each individual team and firm what problem are they trying to solve, both for them, themselves and their clients, and what pieces of technology they can use to, to help with that. Saying that though, and this might be a bit controversial, but I like, I like being <laughs> controversial, is that. You know, technology isn't going to solve all the problems. We can't just buy a product, click go, and, and hope for the best. Where it works best is when it's run by people who care, 
who build it, who manage it, and it becomes a much more iterative process. Um, you know, it's a great analogy that you know, technology is like a pet, you know, it costs a bit to buy and then you've got to maintain it. That's quite simplistic view, but it's true. And, and I don't think people realise that. And I, I certainly didn't realise that when I left the, the more corporate real estate side to work at a technology firm, you know, it, it needs to be a much more iterative process. And with that, an appetite for more application and more learning and more risk taking. And with that, an, an acceptance that there are now different types of risks for you know, fund managers and developers that aren't just market risks, but are actually risks around how they remain relevant and competitive and how they retain staff and how much time they're spending analyzing information. So I think it, it's distilled to uh, you know, firms and people understanding where, where the problem is and then looking at technology to help solve that, um, which really comes down to using information as best as possible to, to inform decisions that need to be made, given we are in an imperfect market where you know, it's, it's a long-term horizon for a lot of the, the best-performing investor classes. Brilliant. Yep, agree. Very exciting um, points covered this morning. <laughs> You did great. I mean, that one was a tough one. So I was really intrigued to hear you with your surveyor hat and your tech hat interchangeably put on and off. Honestly. <laughs> and, but it, you know, it, it does come down to, like anything, like valuation is all about a cap rate. The other day, it's about what cap rate mm-hmm. you're putting on, what yield, and that's about perception of risk. And the challenge is you're looking at a historical lease for a historical company that may yep. no longer have as strong as business profile because it's 2020. So what is going to happen? Is everyone going to write down their book sales by 25 basis points and just wait and see if whoever can value add and retrofit to another use class that's more adaptive and more flexible? Maybe in some cases. Are people going to just hold on and try and ride through and wait for recovery? Maybe in some circumstances. It, it comes down to risk, but ultimately... I think the I think the big change is that I'm just thinking about my old you know to your point about being a surveyor and then going mm-hmm. into tech and it really is a very different perception of risk. You know, you look at the Googles of the world; they spend two billion dollars a year on crazy ideas, and their number one mantra is "Let's fail first. As soon as we fail, yeah. we find out it's going to work. It is the opposite when you're building a $500 million commercial asset in the city of London. It just is. Like yeah. It's intrinsically yeah. true to your mindset. And we don't need to go to the end of Google, but we're trying to target the tenants. We should try and take on some element of our approach to business. So, you know, it, 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 it's how we, how we come together in those perceptions of risk, um, both from valuing property, but also in how we, how we deliver it and, and where we really push the boundaries on, on what we want to to test, but with a mindset that we're testing and we might build something and yes, we're pouring concrete, but we can still change it every couple of months. We can still do iterations if we accept that and, and that profile. Um, mm. if, if we work in a business where it takes 12 months to get a business plan to, to look at a new location or market, we're probably missing out on opportunities because our risk profile isn't matching opportunistic capital and, and occupier activity. So I think, I think as a market, as a sector, with the valuation hat on, we have to think about where our real risk is and how we can use that to an advantage to be competitive rather than be risk averse and ultimately to be afraid of it. Mm. Yeah. 
Really that was a very big feel. I, I don't know. I, I, I went off on a tangent then, but I hope it. No, it was good. <laughs> I think that was fantastic. And sometimes it's good to have an ad hoc question in there because, yeah. you know, you've got the experience now of living in both worlds. So, you know, it's just good to hear your experience of it. So, thank you. Well, thank you so, so much for finding the time this morning to catch up with us. It was really good to hear um, your experiences and thoughts on how real estate tech can drive social value. Thanks a lot and we'll speak to you soon. Right, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Real Assets, Real Expertise, a podcast from Crestbridge, presented by Stephanie Workman. To find more episodes of our podcast, go to our website, crestbridge.com, or where you usually download your podcasts. For more information, on how Crestbridge can provide a range of services to support your real estate structures, visit our website www.realassetsrealexpertise.com.